welcome to the Business of Security podcast, episode number five. Your host is Ron Warner. Today, he'll be talking with Ben Rothke, Senior Security Consultant at Netitude. Now, let's get to it. industry need to start talking about that we're not doing today. Information technology is built on a horrible foundation. If we could sort of redo and start from the beginning, we would be so much better off. If you don't invest in it and keep it running, it will blow up. We also have to be able to go on the solutions, not just problems. We have a long way to go if we're going to win this fight. At the end of the day, educated people are really the best countermeasure against all the threats, the threats, the threats, the threats, the threats. Welcome to the Business of Security podcast. I'm your host, Ron Werner. Today, our guest is Mr. Ben Rothke, Senior Consultant with the Netitude Group. Ben is a leading writer, speaker, and book reviewer for the Cybersecurity Canon. He is the author of the book, Computer Security, 20 Things Every Employee Should Know. You can often find him at cybersecurity's top conferences. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. Ben, you are a great resource to the cybersecurity community, and we've known each other a long time. But I don't believe we've ever had a conversation where I asked you, how did you get into cybersecurity? What's your story of how you got started in the career? Um, you know, the, the earlier part of my career was um, you know, database programming, uh, you know, network, uh, network design, network support. Always had a uh, interest in security. And uh, when I was at Citibank, the uh, there were a number of uh, security projects uh, that came up, and was uh, one of you know volunteered for them. There wasn't, uh, not a lot of people, you know, wanted to do, uh, you know, information security. Um, so I started doing that, uh, enjoyed it. Um, and then, you know, kept going, uh, you know, full steam from there, um, migrating away from, you know, programming a network design into, uh, you know, full-time information security. That's sort of a growth of, you know, in- interest plus opportunity. Yes. Finding those gaps and filling it. I think that's yeah. how many of us got started when where were you when you wrote your book um in a basement <laughs> uh, i uh where was um you know, at the time i was with a uh consulting firm uh, throughpoint professional okay. services firm so uh that was uh, a few years ago um uh, so i wrote it the uh, first edition came out uh second edition came out about uh, you know two years later Computer security, 20 things every employee should know. Why did you write the book? What was the driver to have a book on cybersecurity tips? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is when, when working in professional services, there's, uh, you want to develop your own brand, um, do that. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of, you know, books out there, the, the, the network Bible, the computer uh, the C++ Bible, all these, you know, 600, 700, you know, page books out there, a lot of them on security. Uh, but uh, for most end users, you know, they don't really, they, they don't want these massive references that um, you have to be a heavyweight just to lift. Um, and McGraw-Hill had, had this series about, uh, you know, 20 things every, you know, uh, everyone should know about, you know, uh, a lot of different topics. So, it really cuts it down to the issue, um, you know, two, three pages, and, you know, short introduction, and then tactical, uh, you know, tactical items. Uh, that was true then. Uh, still, still, still true now. Most uh, employees don't want to be 
security experts, but nonetheless, they need to know what they need to do uh, to keep uh, corporate data secure, and uh, a lot of times it's, you know, their own data. Um, and you just got to give it to them in uh, short, uh, easy to digest pieces, and it's sort of, you know, just, uh, they ask, you know, where's the meat? So you just show them the tactical, pragmatic things to do that they don't need to know all of the, uh, you know, the gory details, you know, behind the scenes. Just, you know, what can they do to be secure, uh, uh, you know, when they're in their, you know, nine-to-five environment and when they go home at, uh, at the end of the day. You wrote this book well over a dozen years ago. What has changed? What is, and what has, what is the same in what you've written? Um... um so last there, uh, um, I wasn't there, but there's an interesting panel discussion uh, was from Pro, uh, at Black Hat from uh, Duo Security, and I think one of the uh, one of the comments uh, Ian Amit said is that uh, you know nothing's changed in uh, in computer security. Um, you know, there's been new new technologies, new operating systems, a lot of new stuff, but you know, a lot of the core issues you know, are the same. Uh, you know, patching is not being done. Uh, users are not aware what they need to do. Insecure applications, um, uh, keep, you know, not encrypting the data. So uh, a lot of those things, you know, those core issues uh, are, uh, you know, still resonate, um, you know, a dozen years later. Uh, I discussed, you know, email hoaxes, you know, not such a security threat anymore, but What's coming across the email now is is ransomware. You know that's uh, a big deal. But what in those core issues, keeping your password secure, uh, not putting uh, you know confidential data in uh, insecure email, being secure on the road. Um, talked about backup. You know, backing up the data. Um, that's always crucial. Uh, that's one of the vectors that uh, ransomware authors you know work off of. Is that they're hoping. Uh, the person who has the ransomware doesn't have a good backup uh, because if the person has, uh, you know, good recent uh, accessible backup, then they uh, they don't have to pay the ransom. But many of those who are paying the ransom, they're doing that uh, because they don't have backups, and the only way they could uh, get to their data is um, is by paying the ransom. So there's a lot of new some new stuff out there, but a lot of the the core issues. Uh, or the same from, uh, you know, 2005 to 2018. I saw it similar with the Department of Homeland Security when they gave their briefing on the Russian attacks uh, against uh, voting systems and against the U.S. infrastructure, and they were going through third parties, going through phishing. You mentioned phishing in your book as well malware being attached to email or going out to malicious websites, false social media sites. So I agree. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And keeping everything in bite-sized points makes it really good for our new uh, ADD nation, as I put it. We're all a little uh, squirrely. Uh, What else from the book should people take away from to understand how to protect, particularly their small-medium business? Any other big points you want to make? Um, you know, it's like, you know, the, the 80-20 rule, uh, you know, uh, patching, uh, you know, a strong perimeter, um, if you're on the road, you know, uh, VPN, you know, make sure, uh, you've got a laptop, uh, uh, 
there is um, endpoint security. You want to make sure that data is encrypted. Um, a big deal is, um, and, and now the uh, you know smartphones just have a uh, you know phenomenal amount uh, of corporate data on them. Um, I believe the uh, the figure is something to the degree roughly that the uh, um, entire Library of Congress, from just a pure text perspective, has about ten terabytes of data, um, and. Uh, you, you've got iPhones now. You've got smartphones with, uh, you know, over a hundred gigabytes of storage. So, from a data perspective, you know, a hundred gigabytes is is huge. I mean, there, there, you could fit, you know, mass amounts of data on that. You know, it might be only, you know, eight hours of video. But from a communications, from a text, from a file perspective, you know, a smartphone is a uh, is a is a file server. Um, so it's securing, you know, that endpoint because if uh, someone's smartphone has uh, corporate email, it may have access to, uh, you know, to CRM systems, to scheduling, to travel, you know, a whole lot more. It is, uh, it really is a, a small data center uh, in their pocket. So if they don't secure the, the smartphone, it's literally, uh, you know, leaving a data center door open um, and with a big welcome mat. And most people don't think of their smartphones as computers, but that's exactly right. They are computers with multiple functions and methods of communication. Many don't understand simple ways to lock them. People lock it actually with their fingerprint, but what about the data on them and that traverses through and who can gain access? Now, you're making great points, Ben. Let's switch topics a little bit. Uh, We were talking before about information security bringing new generation into the career field, the information security skills gap, number of jobs that we hear from Ponymon. We'll go into their statistics. Give me your thoughts about the future of information security or cybersecurity as a career for those who are maybe just getting into it uh, through their business. Yeah, um, I think it's the uh, clearly the uh, the future is um, very bright. You know, there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of opportunity. Um, um, I think the the most important point for uh, you know, any career in general and uh, information security specifically, uh, a person has to you know really enjoy it. Uh, they have to find it interesting. Uh, challenging. It's something you know. Uh, you know they have to like, and you know that's true whether you're uh, a podiatrist, a dentist, an accountant, uh, or a uh, you know, security architect. Uh, a uh, you know whatever it is you're doing, a firewall engineer, um, data protection officer. So you know, if a person has that interest and they like it, and they could deal with a lot of the um, uniquenesses of the industry. Um, you know, they will go far. There's definitely uh, a lot of opportunity. Uh, the risks are uh, only increasing, you know, whether it's, uh, um, you know, IOT, you know, there's, there's just, there, it's almost a, um, unlimited future. Uh, so there's a, there is a huge amount uh, of opportunity out there. What do you love best about what you do in cybersecurity? Um, it's, um, uh, probably the the most enjoyable is you know we're going to clients uh, who you know have a real need, um, and they they're not security experts. They sort of know they have a problem, and you know need help uh, there. 
um, and uh, you know give them real solutions and make sure they're um, not going to be you know victims of, uh, of any type of hacking, any type of you know ransomware, any type of uh, you know uh, hostile data takeover. Um, so you know, a lot of those clients like that are often uh, you know quite appreciative. You know, by and large, the the big banks and the brokerages, you know, do a really good job of uh, when it comes to information security. You know, based in the New York area, there's a lot of uh, you know, big firms here, and they uh, they could afford to hire you know the best and the brightest. Um, so their systems, you know, no one they'll be the first ones to tell you their systems are uh, uh, are not unbreakable, uh, but they do a really good job of uh, securing you know the entire life cycle. Um, that's probably the 1% of organizations. And then, you know, there's a lot of organizations out there, uh, that don't have that security expertise. Uh, they don't, don't, you know, they need, they know they need to do something, uh, don't know, you know, how to do it. So, you know, going into those, you're able to bring a lot of value, um, you know, help them a lot. So that, those, those type of projects, um, it's sort of like moving the ball from the, uh, you know, 20 yard line on one side to the, to the goal on the other end. Ben, you show the value of being a cybersecurity evangelist or even a coach. We go into organizations and try to help them get to that next level of cybersecurity maturity where they better understand and manage their risk. How do you see your role as a cybersecurity coach in working with large and small organizations? A lot of firms, I mean, the, as you said, the, the Global 2000, you know, the Fortune 1000, you know, they, 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 they get it. Um, you know, the large pharmaceuticals, anyone with a, you know, big R&D budget, but there's the, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, businesses out there who maybe have, you know, three to 500 employees and are, uh, know they need to do something. You know, they, they see these stories, uh, in the media, um, you know, years ago, uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, FUD stories, but now, you know, it's very real, you know, there's, uh, uh, be, be it ransomware, you know, uh, you, know and, you know, a million different examples. So they, they know they need to do something, but they don't know uh, exactly what. Um, um, and so, the, you know, they, they, there's, you know, a lot of opportunity in, in that sector to help organizations like that. Um, if they're, uh, uh, if they're uh, you know, accepting, you know, credit cards, you know, PCI, you know, will apply to them. Um PCI has been around for, you know, well over a decade. And so while all of the, the level one and level two merchants are pretty much PCI compliant, there's a whole slew of uh, uh, merchants out there uh, which uh, are now sort of, you know, waking up uh, to that and they've got to uh, now deal with PCI issues. So there's uh, a lot they need to, uh, they need uh, you know, a, lot, uh, a lot of help with. You know, companies are now being much more aggressive uh, with their third parties um, so want to look to them for, you know, various security attestations, whether it's the SOCs or the ISOs of the world. Uh, but, yeah, there's a, that, that middle market is ripe for opportunity because they're, uh, you know, they know they have a need and they don't exactly know, uh, you know, what they need to do. One of the things I really admire about you, Ben, is you're always doing your homework, always reading, studying, and then teaching others. You brought to my attention the NIST Small Business Cybersecurity Act, which recently went live. That sounds like it could help 
Give me your thoughts and, and what do you see happening with the new NIST uh, Small Business Cybersecurity Act? Do you think that'll help or do you think that'll be just something else for SMBs to have to worry about? Um, yeah, uh, uh, you know, a little, uh, a little of each. Um, you know, it was you know the NIST Small Business Cybersecurity Act, uh, officially um, known as um, uh, S.770, and um, uh, as I said, you know the big, you know the big banks, the brokerages, you know the huge pharmaceuticals, the airlines, um, you know, do a decent job of uh, information security. But um, um, the, yeah, there's, I forget the, the number, it's, you know, staggering, whatever it is. I think it's something like half a million. There's like something like half a million or a million businesses with like uh, 500 employees and under. Um, and, the, and these organizations now, you know, still have, are, are still processing, are still um, um, storing, you know, huge amount of, uh, of data. And now they need to... Uh, you know, wake up to the new security realities of uh, of 2018. So the uh, the law was just signed into uh, effect this week. So you know what exactly uh, it will uh, turn into, how much it'll help the small businesses, uh, uh, it is yet to be seen. Uh, on one side, it's good that the government is you know putting resources out there, uh, but you know, there's been good security tools out there, good security resources, you know, before the uh, Cybersecurity Small Business Act, you know, came into uh, came into effect. It's sort of like saying, you know, the FDA putting, you know, new guidelines of, you know, how to eat healthy, uh, how to keep your weight down. Um, you know, we, you know, th- that information's been out there for uh, for quite a while. So, you know, but with that, it, it seems like it will be giving, uh, you know, the small businesses, you know, better opportunities, more more resources, more more resources, you know, within the government to um, you know, to deal with uh, information security, uh, what they need to do, having a uh, um, a common act, you know, t- to work off of. So, like anything, it's it's it, it will take time to uh, see how uh, how good it will be, how effective it will be. But uh, it, it could be that wake up call that uh, a lot of businesses need. And I said, you know, as I said, there's you know hundreds of thousands of uh, of these businesses out there, if you add it up, it's just a you know staggering amount of data that is uh, going through them. And they all need help uh, in talking with other cybersecurity yeah. professionals. There's not one business that can't be breached given enough time, resources, and money. Let's take a short break and hear a success story from our sponsor, TrustMap, the business management system for security leaders. Hey, everybody. This is Chad Beckman, uh, CEO of TrustMap. And today joining me is uh, Aaron Pritz. Aaron has spent 17 years in a Fortune 500 pharmaceutical company. Now he runs Reveal Risk. Uh, Given his background, Aaron provides a very unique perspective, uh, having managed risk, compliance, privacy, and security strategy across uh, multiple lines of management. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks. Can you give us a, a little bit of uh, background information on uh, how you discovered TrustMap and uh, what you see that is really different about it in the marketplace? Yeah, so I, I personally had a lot of, uh, I would call it pain and suffering from GRC and a lot, a lot of my industry colleagues had uh, represented the same. So I initially found TrustMap in searching for 
a GRC alter alternative, or better said, a, an alternative to GRC altogether. Um, and I kind of, uh, I would say, accidentally found TrustMap and really found that it was everything I was hoping to get out of it, out of a GRC, but far more. Um, so I would really use it to si simplify both um, within clients that I work with now, or if I were to ever to go back to a corporate leadership role, um, I use it to evaluate uh, security programs as well as privacy at the asset level, at the program level. Um, I think it would it is a strong input into um, building an improvement strategy and being able to see where you are doing well and where you are not doing well. Uh, and then also measurement and tracking is one of the, uh, I would say, no-brainer things but sometimes hardest to do and I think TrustMap provides a, a really good um, angle and being able to measure and track commitments against your investments uh, throughout time. And then uh, most importantly, it really provides a way to communicate um, all of these messages upward to uh, both executive committees and board of directors with some solid um, visual aids and very simple um, ways to display um, progress goals and outcomes. Uh, and ultimately, you can drop two to $5 million over five years um, and a sizable staff to put in one of the legacy GRC offerings, but to me, I would just use TrustMap uh, for most of everything I would need out of the GRC and everything that GRC doesn't do, which is really um, a lot of the program and maturity measurement and management um, that really allows you to move the ball forward. Great. That's a awesome uh, feedback and perspective uh, based on your experience in the industry. Is there anything else that uh, you'd like to leave our listeners with? in uh, considering a solution to do their job better? Um, I would say focus on business risk. We're in a time right now where a lot of security programs are starting to get funding and starting to um, have to spend money. And that's not a bad thing, but I think without a plan, without a way to figure out where your risks are from a true business standpoint, not, not technology, which is a flaw that a lot of us uh, face in the field, um, but I think really figuring out where you need to go, what you need to do to get there, how you're going to measure it, and know when you get there and what's enough is so critical. Otherwise, um, we will all drown, drown in a sea of, uh, of cybersecurity tools that are half implemented or um, not implemented. I think things like TrustMap are just a, a wave of the future and we're going to have to, the future is now if we're going to um, rationally spend the money that we're getting. Uh, and most importantly, to reduce risk. Thanks, Aaron. I really appreciate the input and feedback. Everyone, that was Aaron Pritz uh, with Reveal Risk. And if you want to get a hold of Aaron, Aaron, how can folks reach you? Uh, just go out to revealrisk.com and all of our contact information is there. And uh, would love to hear from you if you have any needs. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Remember, listeners of the podcast can schedule a free trial of TrustMap at trustmap.com slash business. Now let's get back to the show. I think part of the challenge, and you mentioned this, is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. How do we encourage SMBs to actually leverage this material? Because NIST does put out great information about cybersecurity, and they've been doing it for years. The information is often right in front of us, but what do you recommend small, medium businesses do to learn more about cybersecurity? What are some good references they can use in addition to NIST? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's um, um, 
there's, you know, if anything, there's a, it's TMI, it's, you know, too much information out there mm-hmm. almost. So there's no shortage of good information from, uh, you know, from uh, fans, from uh, Carnegie Mellon to uh, everything out there. What, what businesses need is um, someone to, to take the reins on uh, security. I mean, even let's just say a, a business of 500 employees, you know, they'll, they're going to have an HR person. They're going to have uh, someone in a legal capacity. They'll have someone, um, you know, a CFO, because uh, if someone doesn't have oversight on finances, um, it's just a matter of, you know, days or weeks till that company um, loses control of its finances. And, uh, you know, no different from uh, from the data now. They need a, uh, a person uh, to be in charge uh, of their data, whether they're called a security director uh senior security admin or whatever they want to, you know, call that person, you know, someone, you know, needs to be there because if the company's big enough to have a, uh, a head of HR or a CFO, uh, you know, then they're, they're big enough to uh, likely have a, uh, a chief security officer you know, or, or someone in that role because if they don't, uh, then it's just a matter of time until uh, uh, they, they have a, a security issue, either a, a regulatory issue, a breach, uh, or the like. Um, so it, I said it's, it's two parts. It's just you know having a person you know in that role. Um, a lot of times companies say uh, they can't afford it. Um, that is uh, true. Um, but nonetheless, uh, as they say, it doesn't uh, cost. It doesn't cost to have a good security person. Uh, it pays. So um, yeah, data really is the lifeblood of a lot of organizations. You take a uh, a laptop, you know, a laptop might be worth, you know, $2,000, uh, but the data in on that laptop could be, uh, you know, could be invaluable. And uh, if someone, uh, that's why people, you know, such as, you know, you know, Warren Buffett, Jim Bezos, you know, folks like that, they often don't travel with a laptop because, uh, you know, their laptop would, uh, you know, it is invaluable given you know, the information that's on that, whether, you know, same thing with, you know, their smartphone. Uh, um, is, is that, that there's a, a staggering amount of data on there. A uh, $1,000 iPhone, you know, potentially could have uh, information on it that's worth, uh, you know, tens of millions of dollars. Um, so with that, you know, it's, just, it's 2018 and information security is no longer a uh, optional. It's really a core part of uh, of uh, of doing business, and if an organization says it's too expensive, expensive to have a security person, uh, they need to know that it's simply the you know the cost of doing business, um, and you can't have a business without plumbing, you know, without security, without an HR person, and it's getting to the point that you you can't be in business without a security guy, also security gal, excuse me. It's almost like the old commercial: you, know, you can pay me now, or you can pay me later. They can pay now a lot less expensive to secure up front or pay later after the breach and you're trying to clean everything up and figuring everything out and going through all of the, the headaches. So often our job is to reduce those headaches for organizations. As And I liked your points about how security really is an economics problem. So it needs to be tied into the business of the company and how they do business and what needs to be protected. You also went brought back the point actually with companies now should have someone focusing on cybersecurity about that information security skill shortage. 
we need the people to to have that knowledge. So for someone coming into cybersecurity, what should they study? It almost sounds like it's not just about the technology, but it's about understanding business as well. What would be like the top three courses you'd recommend, Ben? Um, I mean, the the nature of security, you know, is is built on uh, you know on the core issues of you know the core IT issues. A person needs to know you know routing, servers, etc. Um, sort of, you could almost mimic it from the top. Is you know some of the best. Um, you know, chief security officers, I know, um, the two degree, you know, they have, they'll have an electrical engineering degree and also have an MBA, uh, and that gives them uh, a deep, you know, technical understanding from the EE side, uh, and the MBA uh, gives them really the, uh, the deep business understanding. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, in a large organization, you know, management doesn't care about the technology. They just want to... Uh, the business to operate, and that's why the uh, the person needs that you know MBA head on. On the other side, you know technology is important, so they have to be uh, you know smart enough to uh, know what technology works and what it doesn't work. And uh, clearly, not everyone is going to have an electrical engineering and MBA degree, uh, but to the point they can, uh, the the law it's imperative to really understand you know the business and you know what you're trying to secure. Meaning, if I uh, if someone calls an insurance agent and says, uh, you know, they want um, insurance for their car, um, you know, before they could uh, underwrite that and give a quote, they'll ask questions, you know, tell me about the car, you know, who's the driver, uh, you know, where's the car located? How many miles uh, do you, you know, drive? Per- yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you can do it. So, you know, if a person's a, uh, you know, a 24-year-old male in Manhattan, uh, in a new Maserati, uh, the premium is going to be extraordinarily high. If the person's a you know forty year old farmer on their ten thousand acre ranch and they're trying a uh, driving a uh, you know nineteen eighty pickup truck just to, you know bring some hay from you know to the horses, you know uh, something like that. You know they may not have insurance on that vehicle, um, and. So on, you know, one, you know, you've got a vehicle. On one, you have no insurance, and the other, you have a significant amount of insurance. Um, and the key also from the security is to really understand, you know, what is the appropriate uh, amount, and that it, it really, the analogy is meant to underscore is you have to understand the business. Is this a multinational bank, uh, or is this a you know smaller credit union? Is this a large uh, pharmaceutical that's going to spend a billion dollars? On uh, to develop a new drug, um, you know, or is this a uh, you know a small auto shop? So it's really it, it's you know understanding the business, and only by understanding the business and the data and what's needed, both from a practical, from a geographic, from a, from a regulatory perspective, uh, can someone implement information security accordingly. So I said, is you know someone who tries to blindly underwrite an insurance policy on a car or health insurance for a person without understanding you know the context and context and all those details, uh, they're doing a, you know, disservice to everyone. And if, uh, putting, you know, too much security into something where it's not needed is, uh, you know, wasting effort, uh, waste, you know, wasting person hours, you know, wasting money, um, and then under securing it, you know, puts the organization at risk. So it's really understanding the technology and business. And, you know, that's an imperative. And as a person develops in their career, uh, you know, they need to have handles on both of those. 
What does the role of compliance play with security? In my experience, that sometimes is the hammer that forces security initiatives. And I know you have a lot of experience working with PCI, GDPR, HIPAA, etc. a lot of these compliance. So is how, how can security professionals and businesses leverage compliance without being inundated by it as a driver for cybersecurity? Yeah, you know, if you took um, all of the standards, laws, regulations, etc., and you know, um, just crunch them, you probably have like a uh, you know eighty-five percent overlap uh, with that. Meaning, you know, strong encryption uh, is going to work in PCI as it does in uh, Sarbanes as it does in HIPAA. You know, good access control, you know, good. Uh, application security. So if someone, if an organization has uh, an effective security methodology, security control, security architecture in place that, you know, focuses on uh, on the core issues and uh, uh, is holistic from a security perspective, has defense in depth and is, you know, securing the people, the processes, the technologies, the applications, you know, everything in between. Uh, it's not that difficult to, uh, you know, to retrofit any uh, any new regulation, you know, any new standard. As it is, you know, good encryption uh, is going to be the same pretty much from you know any regulation. You know, making sure your firewall is reviewed on a regular basis, making sure uh, you know, access control, making sure you know logs are reviewed, making sure developers are trained, and example after example. So. That good security, you know, will mesh well with uh, you know, any new compliance initiative. So it's uh, compliance is sort of the uh, is the checkbox. Uh, you know, security, in the sense, is uh, you know is like picture day, and in uh, you know, some places, you know, picture day is once a year. Everyone uh, comes in and looks busy. Uh, but good information security is about making every day picture day. You know, making sure the uh, Everything's spiffy and uh, up to snuff uh, on a daily basis. Part of the problem issue is with compliance. You know, sometimes if it's annual or semi-annual, they just focus on those uh, you know annual goals. You know, let's be compliant on January one, and forget about it until uh, the last two weeks of uh, December. And that sort of uh, compliance, good information security is like that picture day is, you know, it's not, uh, it's not just one day a year. It's not the annual, uh, compliance assessment. It's really making sure it is, um, um, you know, secure, you know, you know, 365 days a year. Um, there always, there, there is always a tension between security and compliance. Uh, it's sort of, uh, you know, in baseball is, uh, they say, you know, good hitting beats, you know, good pitching. Um, so with that, you know, good security is always going to beat, uh, you know, good compliance. Um, the challenge is, you know, they, they sometimes management, uh, sometimes focuses just on compliance and not security. Uh, but at the end of the day, a good, you know, chief security officer, uh, you know, can uh, juggle all those balls and make sure the organization is, uh, is both secure and compliant. Right. And to see where the different compliance laws, regulations overlap, you're exactly right. The controls are very similar between them. So rather than panicking over one versus the other, you really can look at them all holistically across an organization often and find the lowest common denominators and 
be able to work through numerous compliance standards without having to stress out over it. And I like how you put it, every day should be like picture day in cybersecurity. Yeah. We should always be right. dressing for success because we never know when our picture will be taken. We don't know when someone will be trying to breach our system. So you, you can't let your guard down in cybersecurity because as soon as you do, that's when the bad things seem to happen. As we're beginning to wrap yeah, up... I mean, that, you, you know, know, yeah, you know, that's part of the... Um, you know, we're talking about it's a career earlier. You know, someone uh, who works in security, you know, has to have a, uh, you know, iron stomach to a degree and ability to deal with, uh, you know, constant, constant change. Um, you know, if you take a, uh, you know, pediatrician and you, they retire and they you know, come back 10 years later, you know, not, you know, new drugs, but, you know, the, the core issues are the same. Uh, a lot of times in security, you know, so much has changed, so much is, uh, so much is new. Um, if you can't deal with that change on a, is it on a uh, daily basis, then uh, you know, a person won't be successful. But that's part of the that's part of the interest is you know it's never a dull moment. Uh, you know, part of the challenge and uh, you know part of the frustration is uh, it's just that constant uh, to a degree that that constant change and uh, no two days are ever alike. And we always need to be learning and studying, which is why I'm yeah. glad you're a fellow book reviewer with the Cybersecurity yeah. Canon. So a little bit of a plug there. So yeah. anyone looking to read any of the top books in cybersecurity, check out Palo Alto Network's Cybersecurity Canon. Because, Ben, you've been involved ever since the beginning, right, with that? Uh, pretty much, yeah, the beginning, yeah. So it was, uh, you know, Rick Howard, uh, CSO of Palo Alto, was uh, looking to create a... Uh, industry group um, create this canon of uh, uh, worthwhile, you know, titles to reach out, read. Um, as that is, he, he talked about information earlier. Is um, just the sheer amount of um, information security, you know, risk management, privacy titles is uh, is unrelenting. So try to identify the uh, the best and the brightest out there uh, and recommend that uh, uh, to the you know, community. As a whole, um, as it is, uh, you know, you've written reviews, I've written reviews, and the truth is, for the canon, uh, anyone wants, they could uh, submit a uh, uh, a book for the canon. Uh, it's open uh, to everyone. Uh, if they want to write a review, they could, uh, you know, go to the uh, canon website and see how to do that. So it's uh, definitely a community effort. Definitely, and great resource for folks both getting into cybersecurity and then those who have been in for a while looking for books to read or to listen to on those long drives. As we're wrapping up, Ben, do you have any parting thoughts, anything else you would like our audience to think about from our talk today? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I think a large part is just really appreciating the, uh, the importance uh, of good, uh, good security controls. You know, a person knows they need to uh, drive safely, you know, eat safe food, you know, uh, drink, you know, safe water. And so, you know, with the data here, um, it's just becoming, you know, more and more uh, valuable. Uh, a lot of people uh, just share, you know, too much data. Um, as Bruce Schneier said, if the, um, if the service you're using is free, uh, you know, then you are the data. So, you know, Gmail is free, but it's not free. Facebook, all these, you know, quote-unquote free services, um, there's a lot of information about you uh, that you're, you know, freely providing them. And so while it, uh, it might not be a big deal in, 
you know, 2018, you know, who knows what's going to be in 2028 when, uh, you know, a person uh, uh, had a picture of, you know, how they um, ate, uh, you know, 10 hamburgers um, and down eight beers. You know, maybe in 10 years the uh, insurance company is going to look at that and say, hey, uh, you had that uh, No wonder you had a heart attack. Ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, a person uh, was sharing a lot of data. So it's really, you know, cognizant about the privacy the security issues. So there's a lot out there, and um, it's being aware of it and uh, knowing how to secure it. Uh, a lot of the threats at the corporate level uh, ring true at the individual level. It's, uh, you know, years ago, when it was just a mainframe application, the person went home at night. They didn't uh, have to worry about that. But the same uh, attacker who's going to send a uh, phishing email to the corporate account uh, is going to send it to uh, the person's Gmail account. So that was... Uh, those lines are, are going away, you know, where uh, corporate threats and individual threats. So uh, a lot of the good security practices at the corporate level apply 100% at the individual level. You're right, Ben. There's a wraparound effect. When we learn to protect our organizations, we can better protect ourselves and our homes, and vice versa. Thank you, Ben, for this great conversation. You are a wealth of knowledge and extremely well-read as the unofficial librarian for cybersecurity. I look forward to future conversations with you and wish you well. Thank you. Be well. This concludes the Business of Security podcast. I'm your host, Ron Werner, and I've been speaking with Ben Rothby. Please come back and listen to future Business of Security podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Business of Security podcast. A special thanks to today's guest, Ben Rothke. Our host today was Ron Warner. Connect with Ron on LinkedIn and learn more about his company, RWX Security Solutions, online at rwxsecurity.com. Our next podcast episode features Chris Hadnagy, author and CEO of Social Engineer, LLC. You've been listening to the Business of Security podcast, and that's a wrap.